Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Because through inner work, I really did discover that my chronic illnesses were, look what you did to me. I wasn't saying that, I wasn't conscious of it, but on some level I was like, my turbulent childhood resulted in this. Like, look, how am I ever gonna have a nice life? And I wanted them to be sorry. And I wasn't getting the sorry because that, that's not, that wasn't the point. The point was for me to heal. But sorry did come over years of time. Like I said, we all went our separate ways and we all did different healing. And I feel like I had to liberate my voice that was, forced to be quiet as a child and I had to find out who I really was and what I'm really here for and healing these chronic illnesses and letting go of this victim mentality and blame and I'm just so bad of a person I shouldn't even be here I had to heal all of this and then my parents could also see me in a different light as well. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey beautiful soul, how are you feeling? Are you well? If you'd asked me this question for many, many years of my life, I would have told you, Yeah, I'm good, thanks. But actually, I was generally pretty unwell for years. Digestive issues, head and neck issues, back issues. I went through long stages of getting a new virus every couple of weeks. My immune system was shot to pieces. I was not a well person. 
I remember at one stage going to a doctor. He'd been recommended as a really great GP and he seemed concerned when I walked into his office. Frail, super thin and yellow in colour. He vowed to dig deep and find out what was going on. After doing all the tests under the sun and a colonoscopy, I went back to see him. He looked at me harshly and he said, there's nothing wrong with you, go and get on with your life. I remember sitting there sobbing. I was so confused. How can I be this unwell and have nothing wrong with me? None of it made sense. And also, by the way, never did he say, how is this person's mental health? Is she okay? It's almost criminal, their lack of care and understanding. But over many years, I figured out that all of it, all of it, is coming from my mind, my trauma, the anxiety held in the body. Because when I was able to understand that all the symptoms were a manifestation from my mind, my trauma, my anxiety, I could take first steps to change the path I was on, learn to calm my nervous system, learn to change my thought patterns, take my health back and live a happy and healthy life. And Sarah Harvey has been on a very similar path. After an extremely challenging childhood, followed by years of chronic illness, a trip to India opened up a new world of self-healing and self-love. Sarah has so much to share with us on this really important topic. Please join me in hearing Sarah's story. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited about our chat. You have a podcast called Not So Chronic and you're teaching women how to heal their chronic health issues which are brought about by holding trauma in our bodies. You've healed from many chronic health issues and I want to really get into that healing journey. But first, let's just take a minute to look back and see what was going on for you as a little kid. Because I know you came from a big family. Your parents split before you were born and you found yourself living with your mum and a stepdad. And I know there was a lot of stuff going on for you at that time. Can you just tell us a little bit about that time? Yes. And thank you so much, obviously, for having me here. I'm honoured to, to be here on your podcast. So, yeah, going back to when I was a little girl, I, I never felt... So I used to love watching, you know, Home Alone and these movies where there was this big home, safe home uh, where all the children could just be children and express themselves and um, know that they, the light would always be on and they could always come home. Whereas I didn't have that. And I was, I was sort of like, where can we put Sarah? Like Sarah needs to go somewhere, go to her dad's, go to her aunt's, go there, go there. And I went along with it and learned and internalized that I am in the way and it's better when I am, you know, somewhere else or just me existing, you know, and I only uncovered this through inner work as an adult, as a child, I, I perhaps hadn't grasped that. Um, but I knew on some level, like I'm difficult I shouldn't, I'm a burden to my mom she's got six kids it's like it's too much and so I'd watch these movies and see how and my friends and they all had you know they knew that they could go home whenever whereas mine was more like I didn't know should I go to my mom's or my dad's or my aunt's or like I didn't really know where was my I didn't have like my room like my space uh, I was always sharing with siblings or some or other people and and it's interesting because as an adult I recreated that as a nomad living around the world which of course is beautiful and exotic and fun but it's also like obviously there's some familiarity in sleeping in a hostel and sleeping here and being kicked out of my house and the the kind of the drama that I'm reenacting as an adult to mirror I guess what I believed is normal or comforting even though it's not comforting but it become normal for me so yes themes of not belonging and interestingly I got to play different roles so at my mom's house I got to be the eldest sibling and all the siblings so that were younger than me my little brother little sister and then my older brother who's more like a younger brother because of his um, autism disability so he is like a child always so I was like I was the eldest 
And then at my dad's house, I had older sisters who would bully and torment me. And so I was the youngest. And so that's, you know, that definitely has an effect on you as an adult when you, you have the, you know, and I, and am I the baby of the family or am I the eldest? Am I the one with the voice who looks after all the other siblings? But then at my dad's every time I'm now the idiot young one who like doesn't get to do all the things my older sisters get to do. And, um, and I don't know, there was a lot, there was a lot of, well, you get to live with mom, you know? So at my dad's house, there was a lot of, well, you're at mom's and you have your toys at mom's. So you don't get to have the things here at dad, you know, again, not having that, like my stuff and living out of a bag, you know, taking my bag all around everywhere. So, um, I can see now it's so great to see healthy the parents split and the child has a room at their dad's and a room at their mom's or whatever, whatever their family dynamics um, are. And they can leave their iPad at their mom's and go to their dad's or they can take it here, there, you know, and it's okay. And it's allowed. Whereas I was just like, I had like just different lives in these different houses. Um, oh, it was difficult. Yeah. It was definitely difficult being born into the mess as well of my parents. Yeah. And you had not a great relationship with your stepfather. So what do you think the impact from that relationship had on you? Well, the impact was um, everything I learned and internalized about that was that, and it was so many different levels. So I learned that a relationship comes before your children. You know, this is all stuff I've had to undo now and relearn as an adult, but I'd learned that definitely you it's more important to be loved and have a relationship than to honor your children because that's what I was being taught and that children exaggerate, children lie. You know, I didn't believe I was exaggerating or lying. I believed I was telling the truth about everything that was, I was experiencing. But when adults tell you that you're not and that you're, what you're experiencing is not the truth, you're so confused because you're like, but it happened. And I experienced that. And that is how it is. So I think being the, so being the only sibling at my mom's house who, who didn't have the same father as the siblings there, it definitely pushed me to the side and it, it, it impacted me in the sense of, again, like not knowing where I belong, not knowing uh, my place because I wasn't part of their tribe. They all had the same surname and I didn't. And I was, it was always like, clear that I wasn't part of that and so as a as an adult I just carried on living in that way always being outside and so I'm only really like 2020 was the year where I really realigned everything to to be like I'm prioritizing now finding my tribe and my belonging and sometimes our tribe does it doesn't have to be our blood family um, it's the family that we choose and we find friends who become mothers and sisters for us and fathers then trying to force something that is never going to be the home alone family or other movies I used to watch it's never going to be like that and I can accept it and form my own family yeah and I love that you speak about a tribe because I've spoken to a few people about being part of a divorce situation as a child and nobody's actually said the word tribe and it is so much that isn't it that being a part of a family it is your tribe and if you're not really feeling a part of it then you are feeling pretty on the outer the, the whole of your childhood aren't you and that's that's a really difficult place to be and I I know that by the age of 15 you left home didn't you yeah yeah I after years of trying to unsuccessfully sort of express my voice and 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 fight for justice for myself and be like because you know I don't know what we can imagine the kind of things that were going on with the stepdad and it just wasn't it wasn't healthy for a child to be growing up in this toxic environment there was abuse on different levels and so I just got to a point where I said mom I'm gonna give you the choice now I had a little rucksack with me I was in my school uniform and I was just like and I've been building myself up to it all day and I just said it's me or him at this point like I can't do this anymore and um and and she said she was uh looking at the computer and she didn't turn away she just carried on typing she was working and she said he's my husband and like carried on and so I was like okay and that's what I had expected so it wasn't she it wasn't a disappointment so I left and I 
that's where my nomad life started and I was on couches with friends and I was just like I just had to finish the end of school and then in the UK we go to college at 16 um, and I moved in with my sister and so which wasn't (laughs) great but it was better and I was safe physically safe and so that was the priority yeah wow because 15 that's oh it's so young and that breaks my heart to hear that you stood there and and asked for just to be heard I suppose and and the fact that your mum didn't turn away from the screen it's pretty hard to to deal with that and at 15 you're, you're really just so young aren't you to to decide that you I mean it's very strong that you're at 15 you decided to take off and mm. have your own life but it's it's very young isn't it yeah I think it was just I could just not see it ever I just couldn't stay there anymore it just wasn't for everybody to heal and I'm so happy to be able to come on here and say that now and I still live abroad but if I do go home I rarely go home, but let's say I go home and have a dinner. We're all able to connect. We've all healed in our own ways. And I had to leave in order to be a catalyst for change for everybody. And then we all went off. Many of us didn't speak for many years doing our own work and figuring out our own mess, you know, because only hurt people hurt people. And, but I had to learn how to forgive and heal before waiting on them to change. Yeah. And I feel like the energy of me doing that, it was so hard and there was a lot of tears and I would try and find partners to love me like in replace of my mom and, or in replace of a a stepdad who, who could love me properly. And, um, and it just, it was just endless. And, and I realized like, I have to heal this without, without mom just appearing and, and apologizing or without her, you know, I had this childish dream that she would leave him still as an adult. And I realized like, that's not going to happen. And even if it does happen, it's not the solution. The solution is me healing um, and forgiving and seeing them as children, the children within them that's running their programming that's making them act the way they're acting and and I really began seeing that in some warped way I was a threat to my stepdad and his need to secure the love and be the alpha male in the family and many other things that were going on I had the power to just dis- destroy it he thought because I could have said mom come with me and she would have said okay and that would have been the end of it at the same time I, be- I found it easier to forgive him and move on from that because we're not blood. And it was the mother wound stuff that was harder because I'm like, you birthed me and like, and then you abandoned me. And it did help to learn about my mom's history as well and her early life. And sometimes we're not able to do that. And that's difficult. But if we are able to piece things together, like just, I would just like chat with my dad who knew my mom obviously very well. They were married for like 20 years and kind of piece information together and kind of get this story of my mom as a little girl and see that she, what she was doing was a learned behavior was like her need for survival and her need for safety was to be with this man. And I could honor that she was just healing as well. Everybody was just healing, doing their best. Um, And without therapy, without help, it's difficult, you know? So they just were playing patterns of learned behavior and they were just doing what they had learned and doing what seemed the way. For example, my mom had definitely learned that the man has the say. The man is the man of the house and he has the final say and girls and women don't say anything to that so if that was her learned pattern then of course she's going to find a partner to to do that and to relive her experience yeah I love all of that because there's a lot of understanding there that you've come to over time and I know that a lot of people never get to that place so it is wonderful to have that understanding that your mum was following those patterns of the males in charge. It's, it's so ingrained, isn't it? And so you, you'd left home and your life was nomadic for a while and you were probably not doing great things for your own body and your own health 
throughout that time. Can you just tell us a little bit about what life was like for you around that time? Yeah. So then before 18, I was still quite healthy. It was survival mode. And if anyone knows about the chakras in yoga philosophy, I was just in root chakra, which is just like, I need to survive. And so it was all about getting enough money, getting enough food to eat, being able to look after myself because me and my sister were, you know, below the poverty line. And then she was, she had two children as well. And we were just all doing the best we could. So although I was, I was eating well and on paper, my, my school reports were good. I was up at 6am and in bed by 2am and just kind of on repeat on repeat, because I was young and healthy, I could manage that and sustain that for a while. And I had a few different jobs, you know, waitressing, I worked in McDonald's for a, a while and that could pay for the bus to college and so and that that fueled more of the resentment to my parents for like you should at least give my sister something for being my primary caregiver or you should give me something and but that was I realized now that was a victim mentality no one needs to give me anything and I'm I am proud of myself for going through that because I did learn how to be extremely self-sufficient and initiative and come up with ideas and I excelled in like business studies because I was just like they said right you've got to buy things cheap and sell them. And I was like, I'm on it. And I was like selling um, all kinds of plastic shot glasses that shine different colors and just whatever I could. And so I found college to be really easy and getting grades was easy and working was easy and pushing myself was easy. But like deep down, there was just this huge void and nobody was telling me that how proud they were of me. My friends, my age were still like completely they didn't know how to have a phone contract or like how to do anything and I had like done I was an adult in a teenager's body it all went downhill more when I left to go to university thinking that this was the best idea ever I went 300 miles north away from home to just like reinvent myself and And the plan was that it was going to be great, but I think everything that was still unhealed just bubbled up and it just erupted. And interestingly, my mom did take me to uni, but I had to kind of coerce that to happen. And so that invalidated me and made me feel awful because she was only there because I'd kind of forced her to come and said like, I have no one else to take me and I need your truck to take all my stuff. And it wasn't like, again the movie vision I had of like mom and dad taking you off to uni and seeing your room and it was uh, sort of forced but everything mother daughter related had been forced um on my part but then um then came that same like okay gotta work gotta work gotta be productive but it just it then entered drinking you know alcoholism it began every you know Friday night turns into like every night and then day and then I was smoking a lot chain smoking cigarettes and um getting involved with not necessarily the wrong people they weren't bad people but they were people with no dream no aspiration no plan and so I just sunk into that as well I do feel like the first year of uni was traumatizing for in different ways because there was a lot of stuff going on with a, a partner that I had and now it seems a bit juvenile because you're only 18 you're kids but at the time we were like this was my family this was someone that I trusted and when that all fell apart and it turned vicious and nasty and you're all at uni in this tiny space and there's drama and then you see him with someone else and you're already wounded and um it just got too much for me um and the worst part was just blaming everyone, blaming everyone. Mom, you did this to me. Dad, you did this to me. And like, I'm so unloved. I'm unlovable. All these limiting beliefs and all, all these true core beliefs I had about myself. So I was going down, you know, self-harming and just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. It was like on repetition. Now as a mind-body expert, I can clearly see how that links to conditions I was later diagnosed with like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and all the stomach related disorders and many others because I don't want to be here is a a very powerful phrase and our body is psychosomatic and our body hears that and it's like okay what can I do to to kind of help you in that 
and chronic pain and chronic fatigue helped me to not be there because I actually got doctors authentication to leave they were like you can't be at uni anymore not, there was psychological issues as well you need to take a year of absence and maybe on some subconscious level I, I didn't know I could take a year out or I could get out without a valid reason um, which is a health reason usually it has to be a health reason you know like in the same sense you can't get out of work unless you're sick and then that's a valid reason but if you just need a day off that's in our society isn't a valid reason and so um that compassionate year of absence led me to travel I had some savings I left the country I started teaching English abroad carrying with me all the traumas unhealed and all the beliefs and all the diagnoses and illnesses but there was just something in me that was like if I'm going to be chronically sick and depressed and, and all of this stuff I might as well do it on a beautiful beach somewhere and have different experiences and get away from my parents I just thought it was like get away from them don't see them because when you're living in the same country there's this like why don't they ring me every day? Why don't they check on me? Why don't they? And it was just like, it was being near them. It was just too painful. Being abroad gave me more reasons like, well, we have different time zones. It's difficult. You know, I'm an adult now and I don't know, but that began my, my traveling. That began my new life away from the UK. And so I, I don't live in the UK still. It's been 10 years since then wow and so at what point did you realize that you needed to heal some things I think I knew all along but it was just like put it under the carpet and don't think about it and I got to live in some beautiful places like the Maldives and where it was just like I'm not gonna think about that and 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 bring all that up to the surface. I'm just going to go diving and have fun. And so fun became the main thing. And healing was just like not a focus of my life. And it was nice to give myself fun because I got to be a child again and just do child fun things. Um, but what shifted, I um, what shifted was my first trip to India. I feel like that was where everything aligned. I feel guided I was guided to India and guided the the whole well I feel like I've been guided my whole life but in that trip I thought I was just doing an introduction to yoga and I really hadn't combined anything about Indian philosophy yoga philosophy ancient Ayurvedic um, medicine or anything like that with my illnesses or with my traumas or my life up until then I just thought it was a it was a two-week introduction and it was on sale and I had two weeks free and it was like okay let's go to India but I was in these lecture rooms with doctors who were invited in to talk about how they use yoga therapy in conjunction with lifestyle overhaul and like core beliefs which they didn't call it brain rewiring back then now it's called neuroplasticity and brain rewiring but and I was just listening like these are doctors who just had a small scale of say 20 people with different illnesses um, and over a period of time they all healed and they were speaking so openly and then so like of course healing like I, I just realized that I'd been taken out of this world where there's no such thing as healing or chronic or incurable there's all these traumas just forget about it don't talk about it don't need therapy like this world or where therapy is somehow bad or shameful and I'd just been stuck into like repositioned into a world where it was like of course we need to heal like of course the body will express everything that's unhealed didn't you know that like yes and I was like ah no it's just this big open sponge and it's just like give me more give me more and so Oh, and other people on the course went to rest or go explore India. I was just like to the doctors, do you have time to sit and talk with me? And they were like, yes. And because, you know, they're not doctors in the sense that we know doctors. They're, they're doctor, guru, teacher, uh, guide. And he'd say, yeah, come to my office anytime. And so I just kept learning as much as I could and um, extended my trip and then really dived into yoga. But of course, when I say yoga, I'm not talking about stretching and I'm not talking about just this westernized 
view that we have of yoga, what I'm really talking about is consciousness, union, healing. There's some deep stuff like honoring that you somehow chose your body, chose your life. You chose to come here. You chose not consciously, but on some level, you chose the very experiences that you needed to support you in getting the wisdom that you are here to get. Like it's the whole point, like there's a point and a purpose to your life. And hearing these people tell me that I had a point and a purpose was just so like, I was crying, I was so happy. And I was like, also realized that what I was looking for from my parents, I could find in these kind of people, in my teachers and gurus and guides and friends. And I could learn, I could feel motherly love from like, I remember when I was traveling in Italy and I was lost and there was a Canadian lady and we spent the whole weekend together. And she was kind of like a mom age in respect to me. And we had a great time and she taught me about life and she taught me about love. And, and there'd be other women that I've met in different countries. And it was like, I just managed to piece together what I, what I was needing from my mom um, in other people. And yeah, so the healing, the healing really happened as I, I then decided like this self-sustaining independent part of me is great, but I need to let people in. Um, and it's not shameful. It's not weak. It's actually beautiful. It's just my idea of healthcare is warped. And I was looking for a pill in a box. You know, I, I didn't understand that there was any other way. And I was on yeah, many different medications. I've worked with all different kinds of practitioners. I feel like the best one for me was a life coach. And she said, you know, I'm not trauma informed and I don't deal with therapy and just getting that out there. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I just need help with my life because my life's a mess. And I keep blaming people and circumstances and my own health. And I need to take back control and empower myself. And so she helped me just start to cultivate that and awaken something within me that I am the conscious creator of my reality and everything's my choice. The, the two things that she left me with that I now help my clients with as well. And I did a lot of inner work. I went back in time. I meditated. I thought about my mom. I imagined me as a little girl, mom as a little girl, playing together, laughing together. You know, it's, it's funny that our faces are identical. Um, I see pictures of myself and I think it's mom. And if I video call my dad, he's like, he's like says my mom's name and he's like why are you calling me and I'm like dad it's me and he's like oh wow and so I feel like I healed our relationship without her needing to be there I just I healed it in my own way told her in my imagination how much I love her and my dad too I feel like both of them were so unloved their whole life and so I felt like maybe part of my purpose is to love them and just loving them can help them heal, even though I'm not going to necessarily tell them all the time or be there all the time, but just in my own heart, like, mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. Thank you for having me. Like, thank you for meeting each other. Then I stopped seeing everything she did as some kind of attack on me, you know, like, let's say six months passed without any contact. And then she texts me saying, Hey, how are you? And then like kind of a rundown of my siblings and their successes or their not successes. And I would kind of be like, you're talking to me after six months. Why? Like, it was like nothing she ever did, even if she did try, it was never enough. And it would just form an argument and we'd have huge rows. And I'd be like, you know what? Don't even bother. And we just kept repeating this over and over again. Or she'd, you know, try to be there in her way, but it just wasn't good enough for me because I was still hurting. Um, I just, I realized that like, I need to change the way I view her because her way of being a mother is also what she's learned and she didn't have a mother so I had to acknowledge that she's doing the best that she can with the awareness that she has um, and yoga and yoga philosophy helped me understand what is awareness consciousness and like low states of consciousness which is like scarcity blaming victimhood suffering to high states of consciousness which is really this the empowered state of like 
not that I did these things to myself. It's not that I, it's all my fault. It's not that at all, but it's like, there's a higher version of you who already sees the path of your life. And it's just like, yes, helping you learn what you need to learn. I mean, if I didn't have all those experiences I went through, I don't see how I would have um, coped with like, some of the experiences I've had traveling, you know, where it's been, it's all gone, <laughs> it's all gone bad. And I've been mugged and I've been, you know, totally, um, I had fraud done against me. I lost all my money, you know, many different things. I feel like I was prepared for everything that could happen yeah. through my experiences. My whole life has just been learning how to trust myself love myself, love other people, love them for just who they are. They're, they're good stuff and they're bad stuff. And loving them or forgiving them doesn't mean what they did is okay. It just yeah. means I don't need to hold all that fire and coal in my body, which was whirling around and expressing in symptoms. And it's not just trauma equals illness or trauma equals fibromyalgia. It's not, that's too simplistic. It's more what you believe about it, how you internalized it. And if you still orchestrate your life in victim mentality, those experiences were victimizing. It was, you know, awful to be five years old, seven years old, 15 years old. And those, those experiences were victimizing, but now I'm a 28 year old woman. So now I'm not a victim anymore. Those things are finished. Those things are in the past and truly liberating myself from this because I, I through inner work, I really did discover that my chronic illnesses were, look what you did to me. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't conscious of it. But on some level, I was like, well, my turbulent childhood resulted in this. Like, look, how am I ever going to have a a nice life. Um, and I wanted them to be sorry. And I wasn't getting the sorry because that, that's not, that, that wasn't the point. The point was for me to heal, but sorry did come in the, in the end, or it's never ending, but in, um, over years of time, like I said, we went our separate ways and we all did different healing. And I feel like I had to liberate my voice that was forced to be quiet as a child and I had to find out who I really was and what I'm really here for and healing these chronic illnesses and letting go of this victim mentality and blame. And I'm just so bad of a person. I shouldn't even be here. I had to heal all of this. So then my, my eye sort of shifted energetically and the aura around me shifted. Everything about me shifted. My physical molecular system shifted. And then my parents could also see me in a different light as well because I was no longer attacking them and blaming them and um, yelling at them or like ignoring them. I was more open and loving. And I think from my mom, it was really relieving because my, my other siblings have not been through the same healing journey and still hate her and resent her and are unable to move on. And so my mom has found with me, she can just be herself and, and, and that's enough. Whereas with my other siblings, she will never be a good enough mom ever. And that must be exhausting for her and yeah. hard. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I love that you said that you took that time to forgive her and you didn't even need to talk to her about that. You just did that within yourself. And that's just so powerful, isn't it? Because it, it is the forgiveness is really about letting go, isn't it? And, and not allowing what's happened to affect us. It's not about necessarily for some people forgiving what what's been done to you, which right. I think is, I think it's really important because a lot of people are like, I could never forgive. But I think the forgiveness, it's not necessarily about saying what you did was okay. It's not about that. It's about just saying what you did wasn't okay, but I can let that go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So those messages that we, those core messages that we hold about ourselves, how, how can we let those messages go or how can we change those messages? First of all, getting aware of what we even believe is crucial and getting aware of where we picked that up, who taught us that. Often it's just society at large teaches us these things. School also makes us internalize more. Ultimately, the core phrase, the core belief is I'm not good enough. And, I, and then that is taught to us in all different kinds of ways. And when we run on that programming, we then view, that's the lens that we see our world. And so any experience that we have will likely validate that for us. And so we're not good enough in our relationships. We're not good enough at work. We don't have as much money as our sibling or our friend. We're, and that just becomes the reality that we have. We just, But we can be unaware that we believe that we're not good enough. And that's why I would never say to anyone, your core belief is you believe you're not good enough. Because <laughs> it's like, no, I don't know what your core beliefs are. We, we got to figure it out. Um, it's when you begin to do inner work, which Inner, doing inner work means um, becoming aware of everything you believe is just an assumption and it's just taught. And there's truth like with a small T and truth with a capital T, like capital truth is the real truth. Everything else is programming, brainwashing, learned behaviors, uh, learned from our, our parents or even our parents, 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 parents. And I feel like it goes back very far in your, your lineage and as women, I feel like we carry the traumas of women before us who were, for me as a healer, I feel like I carry the traumas of women who were deemed as witches and burnt just because they knew the body could heal or, you know, women who were not allowed to vote and just we're, we're, we're still carrying all of this. And so we're here as women to, to, to honor their fight as well and their protesting. And we're just here to heal, to, to say everything that happened before ends with me. It ends with me. I'm a change maker. I'm a, a paradigm shifter. And whether or not we go on to have children, it doesn't matter. It's just our position here in the world. So shifting the core belief. So we get aware. Oh, okay. We start to see, maybe we journal, maybe we meditate, any mind body practice, any, I'm, I believe all of them, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic, all, you know, energy healing, Reiki, all of them are wonderful. Any practice that helps you become self-aware. And sometimes that's karate and sometimes it's surfing and sometimes it's dance. Dancing is helping me heal a lot because it's expression and all of my healing has to be about expressing myself, allowing myself, um, even in what I choose to wear because I used to cover up everything because it was like more of that same thing, like cover up, don't be seen, don't be heard, don't be sexy, don't, don't let other people see you. So it could be anything. Um, but that you're aware of, you, you just get aware of like, okay, I'm believing this because on some level that has kept me safe or that has kept me from in a comfort zone or familiarity, but I'm getting aware now that I don't want to live like that anymore. And I want to change that. And I'm, I intend to change it. So now it's like, okay, so now this is where we, we talk about affirmations and a lot of people have heard of it, but it's not correct to just think you can just say over and over, like, let's take, I'm not good enough and just say over and over, I'm good enough. I'm great. I'm perfect. I love myself, but you don't love yourself, but you're just doing the affirmations and you're just trying to think positive and just don't think about it. Just don't think about that. You don't love yourself and just keep saying that you love yourself. And that's not doing inner work because that's just in the same way as our healthcare industry. It's just like kind of trying to band-aid over symptoms where really you've got to pull out that core belief and explore why on some level does it serve you to believe this about yourself or your life? And what we can discover is so huge. Everybody has different epiphanies and breakthroughs as they're, they're doing some work on a core belief, like a core belief to be 
they have to be very busy and productive because they have learned that that gives them value and worthiness. And so a client is doing inner work on that and she would discover that she has an inability to stop being productive because then she'll lose what she gains. So we have like secondary gains from everything that we're choosing and believing. Her secondary gain from burning herself out, getting sick and whatever it is, is likely the, the very needs that she needed maybe as a child, but also as an adult, because we still need to feel worthy and loved, needed, seen, heard, wanted. It's like, and these are our birthrights and we often forget. And I, and when I was chronically sick, I would hear like, so-and-so is just like doing this for attention or like she just this or, and now I'm like, attention is our birthright. And I can admit that I have definitely manifested symptoms and flares to get attention. Attention is my birthright and I wasn't getting attention. And it's, why is it in our society so bad? Why is it bad to need attention? We're all just children. Children need attention. Children just run into the room. And they're like, look at me. And like, as adults, we're the same, but we're just tall. Like we're not allowed to do that. Or if we do, we're a slut or we're too much or we're too arrogant or we're too up ourselves. You love yourself. And now suddenly you're, everybody's saying, yeah, this and that about you. But I don't live in that drama world anymore with gossip and bitching. I don't have any of those people around me anymore because as I did this inner work, cut ties with anybody that was still in those old realities shifted my core beliefs by consciously deciding to not get my needs met through this avenue anymore so if I need to feel worthy if I need to be seen instead of manifesting let's say um, I used to get a lot of chronic migraines and sinusitis and actually that that didn't get me seen because actually I would close all the curtains and hide in a dark room and just you know chronic migraines awful and and actually that was doing the opposite because I still didn't believe I was worthy of being seen so you dig and you dig and you you discover how your body is just running on the programming that you you have for it she never or he is never not functioning it's functioning perfectly, actually, but it's just what you're wiring it up with. I know that to be true, having healed so many illnesses, too many, you know, incurable, chronic, autoimmune, proven in my blood work, on scans. And now I firmly believe in healing. And I'd also love to just point out that with my dad, he manifested a tumor, cancer, and they told him how it was so incurable and would get worse and worse and worse it was blood cancer and I was like dad are you open to doing the kind of inner work that I use to heal me my conditions and um, at that point I wasn't yet working with clients and he said he's willing I said it's going to be you know a lot you're going to have to let go of like core parts of like what you believe is like makes you you like your anger and beliefs that you're still holding on to of like she did this and she did that and this happened and it's like it's going to be the healed version of you doesn't do that anymore the healed version of you without cancer isn't still bitter about your ex-wives and he had a lot of time in the army that scarred him and I was like so this is what we've got to get at we've got to get at this healed version of you uh, who is within you and he said yes and we did it together day and night and he worked really hard on uh, letting go of that anger so much anger and yeah he he had his scans and there's no cancer and they don't understand how it's possible and I don't attribute it to me I just attribute it to the inner work and the power of the body to heal uh, even cancer everything and that was an important part of my life because up until that point I just thought you can heal everything that's not serious you can heal IBS and stomach issues and constipation and chronic this chronic that uh, syndromes and um, but oh cancer like now you need a professional or like now you have to give your power away to like those in power because maybe it doesn't apply so I needed that experience with my dad to just kind of slap me in the face like no it's all healing all of it and um, people that you don't even know you, you don't imagine those kind of things people are carrying within them. And it's mostly the beliefs about what happened and what that means about them. 
what they, yeah, what it means about them as a person, because that happened. It means that I am unlovable. So, so many things. That's just a surface level one. There's so many. And so, yeah, I love that story. I'm proud of my dad so much. And it brought us closer together because we didn't speak for many years as well. You know, but some people aren't ready. You know, so I didn't say to him, you should do this. You should do this. I said, are you ready? Are you like willing to explore this with me? And he said, yes. And if he wasn't, I'd have left it. Yeah. Not going to impose my way on anyone. Recently, like this year or this month, my mom is like just starting to be like, maybe there's something to this inner work. Because before then, she kind of thought it was very voodoo and witchy and therefore sinful because of her dogma programming with religion. So she thinks what I'm doing, she doesn't say I shouldn't do it, but she's just like, don't talk to me about it. It's very voodoo. It's very like, like I follow the moon cycles and I chant mantra and I have crystals and she's just like, no, but now she's starting to be like, but you healed without changing your diet. And I'm like, yeah, like diet helps. These things help. Uh, essential oils help. Taking a bath helps, right? Uh, all the practices and protocols we have, even yoga helps, but this like true healing is like shedding the skin of your old life and the whole way you orchestrated everything. Your life actually enables a lot of the symptoms to keep manifesting. And so I don't believe you can heal radically and stay in the exact same life in the exact same relationships in the exact same job and exact same situation. Cause the whole point of you needing to heal is, is likely to discover your soul mission, your purpose for being here is not to just be sick or yeah. the victim or this happened to me. Like that's not your story. That was your story, but that's not the story of your life. It's so much more like you can't even imagine. How is your health these days? How do you feel every day getting out of bed, having healed in this way? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I, pinch myself sometimes because I, I was chronically unwell for almost 10 years. I could last, I could get up about 11 a.m. and last till 2 p.m. and then need to rest all afternoon. And if I went to the beach with a friend or did anything or grocery shopping, I would need the whole rest of the day or the day after as well to recover and um, not being able to go to things and um, just really ration out my time and my day and what I could say yes to and say no to and just you know it became a full-time job it was a full-time job just managing being chronically sick now I'm healed but let's not just say like healed is like it's over right healing is a lifelong journey yoga teaches us that any kind of philosophy teaches us that it's life is healing um I don't have a chronic diagnosis or anything physiologically going on in my body but anytime I resist something scared of something uh, I'm confronted with an opportunity to heal like make my podcast um, I as I was recording my podcast I got an ear infection then I was like worked through the ear infection and I you know and worked through means I looked at what am I not hearing what am I like don't tell me I don't want to hear I'm scared and that was the feedback or the outrage that I could get for saying the kinds of things that I say and the comments and the emails that would come and the how dare you and I was like I don't think I'm ready to hear all of this because the child within me was just like try to be not seen, not heard. Don't anger my stepdad. Don't anger my mom. Don't be in the way. Just ship yourself off to someone else and don't cause a scene. And we used to joke in that film, Matilda. I don't know if you know it, but Miss Trunchbull used to say something like children are to be seen and not heard or something. Or, or maybe she said not seen and not heard. Yeah. And she used to put the kids in like this cupboard. Anyway, it was awful. And I, was here with my podcast like having these same kinds of things so I manifested an ear infection healed the ear infection simply by saying I'm allowed to speak my truth and I'm going to be open to hearing whatever is going to be heard because that's their truth too if they say I'm crazy if they say whatever they want to say that's their version of truth with a capital t that's their truth but it's not my truth and it's not the truth it's their truth and I've got to be open to that. And the infection went away in like, I think two days. And then I edited a podcast and I was like, okay, I can do this. And I published it. And the day it published, 
I got tonsillitis. And it's funny because then all the healers are like, you need probiotics, you need this, you need this, you need this. And although it's like definitely diet and supplements and nutrition and other environmental things and you know in our life all are so important and it's true and definitely and I did start taking probiotics and I, I did turn vegan as well for many reasons um, as well as health but ultimately the body will just express what it needs to express if you've got perfect immunity it might not make an infection but it could be a migraine you know something that doesn't need a bacteria to to express but the body is a map and each part of the body tells us so much. And the throat is very telling, speaking, expressing. And it was just, I was just like, it was interesting that it happened after the podcast was already out because then I couldn't like go on Instagram lives. I was being invited a lot. And my podcast coach was like, Sarah, this is the moment you're supposed to be out there marketing. Like get out there, tell everyone, Hey, go to the link in my bio and listen to my podcast. I couldn't, it wasn't just tonsillitis. It was like, uh, I like couldn't speak. And then there was shame in like, how can a healer have tonsillitis? Like who's she? So there is so much to work through. And so my thesis statement is just like, we don't heal. And then that's the end forever if we're resisting something, fearing something, you know, I'm dipping my toes into the dating world and I'm scared, right? And it's like stuff's coming up and there's all stuff to do with dating and um, the potential for rejection, the potential for abandonment, right? And so on the day I have a date, my body might be like, you could go on this date or you could get a tummy ache and have to cancel. And then you don't have to go through the scary, you know, experience. So it just, it's just sweet that um, actually our body just wants to keep us safe and love us. So I'm not chronically sick, but of course symptoms come when I'm overworking, when I'm self-abandoning, when I haven't been to a, a mind-body practice, whatever that is, even if it's my Zumba class, I love to do Zumba. If I, if I fall back, if I start canceling, go through my schedule and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm forgetting this like childlike, happy, free state and I'm getting too regimented, rigid and it reflects in my body. My knee rigidifies and I, I get all like inflexible, but I do the inner work and an hour later it's gone. So it's not this flaring for weeks and weeks like it used to be. Yeah, and I believe this is normal. I believe everybody, even if they say I'm perfectly healthy, I don't know what perfectly healthy means. When people say, out of nowhere, I got this disease, but I was perfectly healthy. I, I don't understand. There is, I don't know what perfectly healthy means. Cause when you really speak to people, everybody's like, they've got a little bit of a tinge. They've got a little bit of an ache. They've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Or they go, oh yeah, I've always had that. And you go, so you're, you're perfectly healthy, except you've always had yes. this, that. Or this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love all yeah. of that. And it all makes so much sense, you know, and it's so much not a part of anything that we're really thinking about in our society. I mean, it's obviously when you went to India and those sort of countries, it really is what they believe and how they live their life. And we just don't live our lives with that sort of mindset. And it's so important and everything you're doing to bring these messages. So you mentioned your podcast, Not So Chronic, where you're sharing your healing journey and a lot of amazing information. And you've got a coaching program coming up as well. Tell us a little bit about what you're offering and where we can find you. Thank you. Yes, I'm very proud to launch the Self Healer Society. And this is my six month program that I am putting together based on the year, year and a half or up to two years I've been coaching one to one with my clients and seeing the same themes coming up across the board, themes that I work through, now they're working through. And although everybody's lives, symptoms and diagnoses and needs within those are different you know two people can have chronic fatigue syndrome and it's not the same what you need to do to heal and what you need to do to heal it's often not the same thing because their experiences traumas and beliefs are different but i got to see there's definitely a process and it's definitely a six-month process 
but not that at the end of six months, ta-da, like finished. Cause then it's like, okay, now maybe you're going to hear money mindset. Maybe you're going to heal something else, some other area of your life. But I, what I try to do in six months is everything about the creation of our life. Not, it's not just about the symptoms and it's definitely not this for that symptom, this for that diagnosis. Like, it's not like a manual, like you look up your diagnosis and then you follow this protocol for six months and you take this and eat this and do this. No, not at all. That's not how I work. But what it is, is a group coaching course. And I'm, it's for women who are consciously self-healing. And I've, I've worked with all kinds of women and I've marketed all kinds of courses. And I, I, I really honed in on like, I work with women who are like, I'm going to heal these things. Now that's where I can come in and we're, we're meeting each other and I'm able to help them because you're already, maybe you've changed your diet. Maybe you have already navigated off your medication or maybe you're in the process or maybe you're just, you're at the point where you're like, maybe it's possible I could heal. And then it's like, fantastic that this group is for you. And we're going to explore everything that you believe it's, it's an assumption and where it came from. And we're going to explore these deep topics of um, boundaries and perfectionism and impatience and anger and worthiness. And um, the, there's going to be 10 modules, hundreds of masterclasses. I'm really, really excited about it because I just feel like this is it for me. This is my signature program. This is everything I've learned in every country I've been in every book I've read, you know, two, 300 books and courses I've taken so many courses. And it's not about credentials and qualifications. It's about like, I've read stuff, learned stuff, had coaching, various coaching, and then I've done it in my life. And I've, I've like helped clients heal. And people ask me that like, so they actually heal as if it's like shocking that they heal. And I'm like, of course they heal. Like it's not that miraculous. The body can heal. The body knows how to heal. We just have to shift that programming to healing. And then what I found, and I'd love to, to just speak to for a second, is that I just found that for me, and I had a lot of business coaching, it was all about what's your client's why? Why do they want to heal? You've got to figure that out. And I was like, well, I don't know. Some of them want to be a good mom. Some of them want to be able to travel. Some of them want to heal so they can, whatever, whatever they want to do. And it was too vague. And I realized, okay, I'm going to hone in. So I'm going to work with women who want to heal themselves and work in the healing arts, whether that is as a coach like myself, or it's an energy healer, a yoga teacher, or an acupuncturist, or they have some dream to, to learn some therapy and that's what they want to do. And, and I realized like now I'm, we're all peers. I get to be your coach, but also we're all in the working in the healing arts together and you work with me, but then I'll take a session from you too. Cause I need your energy healing. Cause we're always healing, always, always healing. The healing never stops. And so now uh, spiritual coaching, spiritual business coaching is a big part of my course. And it's not that you have to heal first and then move on to that. It's just like all part of the process because it's all the same stuff. The imposter syndrome stuff we might feel while we're healing illness will come up as we step into ourselves as an entrepreneur and um, being afraid to be seen and heard because of traumas and experiences while we're healing chronic illness will come up because as an entrepreneur, you know, you got to be out there and you got to say, Hey, this is my course or you should work with me. And here's why. And, it's fun to, it's fun to do this. So basically we use the body as a vehicle for healing that is not even really about healing illness. It's really about finding your authentic voice, who you are, your soul mission, your purpose for being here. And it just happens that my purpose or part of my purpose is helping women work also in the healing collective. So then as together, our purpose is really shifting the paradigm of the planet right now, which is chronic illness is an epidemic. It's the pandemic really. And I feel really excited to help women realize not only can they heal themselves, but they can also shift the planet, whether they go on to heal others or not. Healing yourself heals the planet. 
you shift your vibration, you shift the vibration of the planet. And so that is the course. And we will start in July and run for six months. And the information will be at notsochronic.com shortly, probably when this episode uh, launches. Yeah, it all sounds so amazing. Yeah, if I could have had this chat with you quite a few years ago, I think my life would have been <laughs> would have been a lot better because having gone through a lot of chronic illness myself and just trying to work my own way through it, it's such a journey. And I'm sure that there's going to be so many women out there who just need this so much in their lives. So thank you so much for sharing everything and your story with us today. I've loved all of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And again, providing me with an opportunity to speak my voice check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode come and follow me on instagram at my big love project drop a review if you're listening on apple podcasts and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it you are such an incredible soul because you are you you are unique, your journey is unique, and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious, and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.